But then you wouldn't get to see my teddy bear. Actually, not my teddy bear. It belongs to another Thomas Knacky. But we share in our family, don't we? And uh, very early on, as kids, we learn about teddy bears. Right? Teddy bears are comfortable. Teddy bears are soft. And uh, all my kids, not my oldest one anymore, but my younger two, they all love to go to sleep and they get their teddy bears before bed. And, you know, and of course, they, they have them around the house, too. Uh, they don't always hold them like this. In fact, Thomas, he'll usually take them by the leg and just kind of walk like this. <laughs> go around the house, you know. But, hey, it's, it's, it's comfort, right? It's, it's a teddy bear. And this morning, I'd like to ask, and some of you grown-ups may know where I'm going with this, what, what is your teddy bear? What is that thing that you go to for comfort? I'd like to actually suggest that there are, you know I'm going to do, I'm going to have you sit here, but don't look at me. Perfect. All right. Now, some of us adults, you know, when life gets really tough, what do we do? We go to McDonald's, right? Go get some, come on, raise your hand. How many of you have ever had a rough day and it's like, you know what? I'm going to get some french fries. I'm going to get a cheeseburger. I don't care. And just since some of you think that I didn't really go and do it, I have here a sausage, egg, and cheese sandwich. Who here, that is like your favorite thing in the world to eat. I actually saw Jaden's hand up first, so buddy, this is all yours. You see what sweet. I did buy that today. But fast food, a lot of us, for a lot of us, Food, particularly fast food, can be a huge comfort. They know that. That's why they make it the way they do. But my guess for many of you, and let's have a show of hands for this one. How many of you, this is your comfort? Yeah. yeah. Those kids with their hands up. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Starbucks. Man, there is nothing like the almighty Starbucks, right? Takes away all your problems. Takes away. It even blow dries your hair, right? Starbucks. Come on. How many of you? It is ah, sports. Sports. No dog in the 49ers. They just got three of their players out of jail. So, um, <laughs> turn to sports. Whether playing it, watching it, or watching the incredibly boring NBA draft. Oh, here's another good one. Television. 300 channels, 400 channels, plus 5,000 music channels, plus, oh, you can just sit back, and how many of you, you're like, you're, you're clicker pickers, you know, you really want that, how many of you, you don't actually watch TV, but every 10 seconds, you just change the channel, right? you get the whole, you literally watch everything on TV, There's nothing wrong with that, how about some of you, phone. You just kind of dive into your phone. You got video games, or you know, I wonder what the weather is like in Lake Tahoe. Oh, I think I'll just Google that right now. You know, phones can be a huge escape. Uh oh, uh oh. How about chocolate? Chocolate. Yes, chocolate. Oh my goodness. How many of you are like chocolate 
all the way. It's like, I can't. It's like, please, please. No, I'm sorry. I actually saw Tom Ward's hand up first. I thought it would be a kid, but it was you, Tom. You get the chocolate bar. <laughs> All right. How many for you? It is video game. Oh yeah! You know, I feel really bad for my son Jonathan because I beat him all the time at video games, and so it's it's, it's you know you have to keep your kids humble, and, and so it's just one of the ways. Look <laughs> I can't beat him anymore. That's the, that's the worst part. Nine years old, and I, I've already been replaced. And then how many of you, I'm unfolding a map. How many of you, your thing that you run to when life gets hard is, get out of Bakersfield! <laughs> I love our nasty little town, as a Athena calls it. Uh, <laughs> dirty little town. Dirty little town, that's right. <laughs> Well, you know, when I was a kid growing up, whenever life was hard, my mom had a solution for that. And it was, let's go to Dairy Queen, right? Uh, if, I had, if I got a shot from the doctor, what would we do? After the doctor's office, we'd go to Dairy Queen. You know, if I got sick, what would happen? I'd get a whole bunch of ice cream from Dairy Queen. Uh, after a while, I'd be able to learn this. You know, you can fake it every now and then. I'd still get Dairy Queen. And so what happens is a lot of times it begins in childhood where we almost began to learn to cope with life's difficulties by running to an escape or by running to a proverbial teddy bear, whether it's chocolate, whether it's video games, television, Starbucks, McDonald's, or ice cream. And so my pastoral confession this morning is, God, sometimes I run to ice cream. Before I run to you. How many of you would say, yeah, I've had a few of those in my life as well. Uh, that's my confession. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, there's also some adult comforts as well. Uh, how many of you would uh, give away or sell off half to a third of your retirement for a bowl of soup? Oh, nobody? Nobody would do that? Because that's exactly what Esau did when Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of Jacob's soup. How many of you, let's just say for a moment, that God was going to write another book of the Bible, right? I thought, you know what? Let's not end it here. Let's say one more book, and he writes the manuscript, and he sends it to you, and you have it, and you come home that night, and, and, and your, your kids are fighting, your, your family's fighting, everybody's just acting inappropriately, and you say, you know what? I'm so upset, and boom, you burn the book. How many of you would do that? Probably nobody, right? But that's exactly what Moses did as he was coming down the mountain and he saw all his brothers and sisters and tribe acting inappropriately. He took those stones that the Ten Commandments were on and he broke them because he was angry. Anger can be an adult teddy bear. Food. Nine out of ten adults admit to eating food when they're struggling or when they're stressed or when they're depressed as a comfort food. Nine out of ten. 
Many more, probably 10 out of 10. At some point, anger can be a real comfort thing. They can make you feel strong. They can make you feel powerful. And then you, you just filleted five people on the floor. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I feel better now. <laughs> anger can be a huge comfort. David and Solomon. I won't go too deep into this, obviously. But they often turn to pleasure, to be pleasured in order to cope with life's stresses. Or the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, sell everything that you have and follow me. It says that he went away sad, for he had great wealth. And that great wealth was a comfort to him, a comfort that he didn't want to give up in order to gain that which he could not lose. This morning, I'm going to tell you a very hidden story in the Bible. It's not very long. We're about to leave. Don't worry. The story comes from the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 32, beginning in verse 9 through verse 21. I won't read every single verse, but I'll give you the gist of the story because the nation of Israel had a teddy bear. For those of you who know some of the Old Testament Bible stories, you know that at one point, the, the sons of, of, of Jacob, of Israel, were enslaved in Egypt. Remember? They, the, the, they were enslaved in Egypt, and Moses brought them out during the Exodus into the Promised Land. And then they get into the Promised Land, and they develop their nation, and they have these kings. And here's what unfortunately happened. Rather than trusting in the God that delivered them from Egypt through signs, wonders, and miracles, they often forged treaties with Egypt. They often paid for the Egyptian army to protect them. And so uh, threat after threat, they'd say, oh, we got Egypt, oh, we got Egypt. When all the time God was hoping would say, they would say, we got God. Israel had an adult teddy bear called Egypt. Their comfort, their protection, their foreign aid, their mercenaries, their armies. They often loved to have that relationship with Egypt. But the time came when Egypt failed them. Not intentionally. Egypt simply wasn't a superpower like they once were. So now Israel stands all alone as King Sennacherib of Assyria begins to descend down through Palestine, down through Israel, conquering town after town. And as he's kicking back in a town called Lachish, he sends one of his officers to Jerusalem to try to talk them out of their resistance. And King Hezekiah does have the option to send someone to, there's still time. Hezekiah could have wrote Egypt and said, Egypt, you got to come and help me. We've been partners for so long that you got to come help us. There's time for that. This is what the army officer says to Israel, who's thinking about their adult teddy bear, Egypt. He says this, On what are you basing your confidence that you remain in Jerusalem under siege? When King Hezekiah, who was the king of the Israel, when King Hezekiah says that the Lord our God will save us from the hand of the king of Assyria, he is misleading you. He is going to allow you to go hungry and thirsty. Do you not know 
what I and my predecessors have done to the peoples of the other lands. Were the gods of those nations ever able to deliver them from our armies? Who of the gods of all the nations that my predecessors have destroyed have been able to sing, save a single soul from me? How then is your God going to deliver you from my hands when all the other gods of the world can't and didn't and won't? I implore you, people of Jerusalem, do not let Hezekiah deceive you and mislead you. Do not believe him. There is no God who can save you. How much less will God deliver you from my hand? And then they began to call out to the people who were standing on the walls listening to this, and they began to speak in Hebrew, attempting to terrify them, saying, do not let King Hezekiah mislead you. Your God cannot save you. Verse 20 is one of the most crucial verses in the Bible. For it exemplifies something incredible. King Hezekiah. He could have went to Babylon. He could have went to the Greeks. He could have went to Egypt. He could have went somewhere. But at the end of the day. King Hezekiah pulls his famous prophet Isaiah. Who's responsible for the book of Isaiah. And he says. Let's get on our knees and pray. Now they didn't have a prayer. Of defeating a quarter of a million man army. Not one city. Maybe if we gathered every Jew alive. But they were as good as dead. And the Assyrian officers knew it. Verse 21. 2 Chronicles 32 verse 21. Is one of the most important verses of the whole entire Bible. Not the most. But one of them. Where it says this. And God heard their prayer. And the Lord sent a mighty angel who annihilated all of the fighting men and the commanders and the officers in the camp of the Assyrian king so that he withdrew from the land of Israel in disgrace. And it says, The Lord saved Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem. In verse 22. In the end of verse 22, you know what it says? He took care of him on every side. God took care of him on every side. Sometimes one of the most biggest proofs of God is when somebody calls him out. When somebody says, I'm going to do this and you won't do nothing. I've done this to other people. I'm going to do this to the people of God and you're going to sit silent, God. The one thing is I always caution people, don't do it. Because one angel took out a quarter of a million fighting men. What's my point? Number one, first of all, we all keep teddy bears, the coca Whether But it's pleasure, television, McDonald's, Starbucks, video games. We all have that thing we run to. It makes us feel good. Why do we run to it? Because it's quick. Because we can control it. It's easy doesn't require a lot of discipline from us, and it makes us feel good right away. But I would submit to you that those things we run to that may make us feel good right away don't do a darn thing to solve the problem. 
The problem is still there. We have only delayed dealing with the problem. It's actually going to take longer to solve now because we've run to this thing that's a comfort. We took in our teddy bear. But we all have them. What's my point? Begin to make Jesus your teddy bear. Begin to make God the teddy bear that you run to. My second point is this. Teddy bears have no real power to help us. They only have power to distract us. Starbucks will not talk back to you. The cheeseburger will not talk back to you. And if it does, it's going to say something like this. If you eat me, you're going to get fat. You know, I mean, these things have no real power to talk to us or help us. But when we take our problems to God, well, he will talk back. Maybe not an audible voice. But we'll begin to hear his promptings deep in our hearts and our consciousness. Number three, turn your problems into prayers. You got debt, that's a problem. Turn it into a prayer. You got marriage problems, turn it into a prayer. You got house problems, turn it into a prayer. You got problems at work, turn it into a prayer. Sometimes it's good to just sit down and make a list of all your problems. You might say, man, that list is going to be 50 or 100 things for me. That's fine. And then boom, just begin to pray. God, I pray for this thing. And I pray to help me with this. And I pray to help me with that. I pray to help me with that. And that, 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 that. And just keep going. That's why he's, that's not why he's here, but that's part of why he's here. That's part of why he's Part of why he sent Jesus, because he wants to help us. Sometimes I'll sit there and do that. I'll just vent. Sometimes if I'm not even sure it's a problem, I'll still put it down. God, I don't know if this is a problem, but I'm still going to go for it. There's a a, a funny story about a lady who who was at work, and she got called home from work because her, her... her daughter was sick. And the babysitter said, you got to come home, your daughter's sick. And so she called the doctor, got a prescription, and she went to pick up the prescription, and she locked the keys in her car. How many of you have ever been in that situation? It is so stressful when you lock the keys in your car. I mean, I get depression in the fetal position like the rest of the show when I do something stupid. And, and so... She had locked the keys in her car. And she went back and she tried calling the police. The police couldn't get there for, you know, they couldn't get there. Fire department was out, you know. Uh, she, she, she begged the people to come out and try to help her. The people couldn't help her. And she's just stressed out, stressed out. An hour had passed. Her daughter is sick. She can't get home. And she's just finally stressed out. And one of the cashiers said, have you prayed about it? She goes, no. She goes, well, why don't you try praying about it? She says, Bye. So she goes out to her car. She says, you know, God, there are people starving all over the world. There are wars you're trying to prevent. I mean, I don't know why I'm even praying about this. It's just little old me trying to get my car. But if you could just send somebody to help get my car, that would be great. And that was kind of the tone of her prayer. So she's sitting there, you know, thinking of who to call next when this biker dude pulls up next to her car, puts the kickstand on it. By this time, she's trying to coat book her door open. And the man looks at her and says, do you need some help? And she says, yeah, I do need some help. I'm trying to get in my car. My daughter's sick. I've got a prescription in the car. I need to get home. He says, give me that. And within about 15 seconds, he has her car door open. And she looks at him and she goes, 
Oh my goodness. You are such a nice man. This is amazing. Thank you so much for opening my car for me. And she goes and she gives him a big hug and the man you know, kind of pushes her back to one and he goes, I'm not a nice man. I just got out of prison for stealing cars. <laughs> and the woman right in front of the man looks up to God and goes, you even sent me a professional. <laughs> Turn your problems into prayers. You know, if you remember nothing else from today, uh, run to Jesus first. It's not, it's not saying... You know that, that, that there could be times to watch television or watch a football game or get out of Bakersfield or, you know, the occasional cheeseburger is not going to kill you. Starbucks every day probably will, but hey, you know, everybody's got to have something that kills them, right? But the fact of the matter is, when we turn to God first, we turn to Jesus first, often the resolution to that problem already gets put in place without thinking. And here's the final thing. Let God send a message for you. Do you know what the primary function of angels are? <laughs> They're not to fight. There are angels who fight wars. Michael, the great chief prince. There are angels who can fight. Angels who can fight the devil. But the primary function of angels is to be messengers. In Greek, angelos means a messenger. Angels send messages. What was God doing in this story with Sennacherib? He was sending a message. And sometimes we need to do the same thing. We need to have God send a message to our financial problems. We need to have God send a message to our spiritual decay. We need to have God send a message to our depression. We need to have God send a message to our boss. We need God to send a message. To our problems. And what is the message? I am bigger than you. I can solve this better than you. You are not going to overcome me. God sends a message to our problems. What problem you got going on in your world right now? And maybe it's unbelief. I know for me, that was one of my biggest problems growing up. I did not believe in God. God sent a message to that problem in my life. And that's how I became a Christian. I'd encourage you to do the same. Let God send, and, and this, is, this is interesting. Sometimes God shows up and personally does stuff. But in this instance, God sent an angel. An angel to send a message. Who was the message for? It was for earth. The enemy Assyrian king went home in disgrace. He got a message. But you know who else got a message? Hezekiah. When he trusted in God, God proved himself faithful. And it looked like it was going down to the wire. There were enemy units already beginning to arrive at the gates. Hezekiah's thinking, I know what they do to the kings. They, they, their eyes, gouge their eyes out. God delivered him because he turned his problem into a prayer. Amen? Amen. Amen. 
worship team come forward. This morning, uh, not only do I want to encourage you to examine your own tendons, just as Hezekiah had to examine when the enemy was knocking on his door. I also want to encourage you to turn your problems into prayers, to let God send a message to your problem and to you, to make God your go-to guy rather than all these other distractions. We all have them. And most importantly, uh, I just want to give a very simple invitation that if having a relationship with God through Christ is not something you currently have, not something you're born into at some point in life, you got to choose it for yourself. Uh, I'd like to invite you to just come up after the service. Come talk to me, and I'll answer any questions you may have. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a few things. We'll pray with you. And uh, I promise you, turning your problems into prayers is much easier when you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Amen? Amen. Why don't we all stand together and let's sing a song and we'll head out and some other things like that.